Good morning, Real Life. I'm Ryan Craig, the Kids and Youth Director here at Real Life in Montrose. And today, I want to speak to you about a Christian home. So let's get into it. I've got a lot to share with you today. So we're going to start right away. So I, I, I want to ask you, what is a home for? What is a house for? Well, a house, a home, is a place to keep us safe. It keeps us warm. It keeps us, uh, 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 gives us a place to rest. A home is a place that should provide all of these things physically, but it also should provide it emotionally. And many of us are trying to build a home like this. We want our family to be happy and successful, but often we find that the struggle is real. Bills stress us out. Kids stress us out. Our spouse stresses us out. We suffer for, with, with depression or anxiety in our home and things are in chaos. And today I want to tell you how we are to build a home, how we're to build a Christian home. Because in Psalm 127.1, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder, uh, the laborers build in vain. We need to inject the Lord in everything we do, including how we run our household. And a lot of us, we think we've got it. We think we know. We hear about this traditional structure of the man is the head of the household and the wife has to submit. And that's, that's kind of where we have it. And you know what? There, there's some truth in that statement, but, but I think we often misinterpret the whole thing completely. This comes from Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, near the, the end of Ephesians 5 and into the beginning of chapter 6. And today I want to break that down. So we're going to go into a lot of just reading scripture and then me explaining a little bit what it means. And let me tell you, friends, if you have anything in your home that's really just not going right, whether it's your bills whether it's your children, whether it's your own uh, uh, um, feelings of yourself, whether it's how you feel about your spouse, if you, if you feel like something's not going right or everything's going wrong, or even if you do feel like most things are going right, but there's a couple things bothering me, let me tell you, the majority of people that I talk to, the majority of people that I counsel are experiencing these problems and they aren't applying some of what I'm talking about today. And I believe if you apply these things, attacks can still happen. But a home is a place for us to be safe and secure, to protect us from those things. See, the storm still happens when you're in a, your home, but you are safer in your home than you are outside of it. And so our home needs this. Every home needs this. My home, it didn't have this. And then when it got this, I still get these attacks. But guess what? If we get into an argument, things are resolved a lot quicker and peace, more peaceful. Our bills are starting to come together. Our children, they're starting to experience a uh, uh, joy and peace. Our home is transforming because we've had these revelations. So let's get right into it. The first thing you need when you're building a home is some blueprints. And guess what? You got some right here. This is your blueprint. You look in this and it's going to tell you how to build your home. And like I said, we are going to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. But I, I want to read this first. So after we get this blueprint, we need to build a foundation. You need a foundation. Another foundation can no man lay that which is laid, 
which is Christ Jesus. In other words, it's saying this is 1 Corinthians 3.11, that Christ should be our foundation. There is no foundation as strong as the foundation of Jesus. Jesus actually tells a parable about this himself. So Paul, before in 1 Corinthians, was talking about it, but this is what Jesus had to say about it. He said, there was, uh, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. As Matthew 7, 24 through 27, when we build our house on the rock, the foundation that is Jesus, our house will be able to withstand a storm. But if we're not doing what we're about to talk about, which is based on the word of God, then our house is going to fall. It's going to sink. The Bible literally says we are like a foolish man. So now that we've got our foundation, let's build some rules, uh, some, some rooms and put up some walls. First, we need to submit. We need to submit. And for this, we're referencing Ephesians 21 verses uh, through, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 verse, uh, through 33, and then Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. So that's everything we're going to be referencing today from Ephesians. Verse 1 tells us what it boils down to. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now, submission here isn't just talking about giving up your rights or authority. It's actually not talking about that at all. It's about trusting the other person to care for you. That's what submission is, 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 is trusting somebody else, submitting to somebody else that they will take care of you. Submission isn't you becoming somebody's slave and doing whatever. Submission is trusting another person to care for you, trusting somebody else to meet your needs. That's what submission is here. Christ gave himself in submission by serving, guiding, teaching, loving, and laying down his life. We are to submit by serving, and we are also to, to accept that type of authority in our lives. Christ's authority was doing these things, but then he also submitted himself to the will of the Father. Now, wives, let me talk to you for a minute. Now, this is the part that men usually start, you know, elbowing each other and looking at their wives. Yeah, because <laughs> this is where it starts. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 says this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. And a lot of husbands say, amen. But here's the thing. The, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church's body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to husbands and everything. So how do we submit to the church? Well, this is a little bit different than what you're thinking, men. Uh, I'm sorry to, to pop your, your bubble here, but we submit by serving. The wives submit by serving, protecting, and fighting for, and bringing it all together. This doesn't mean that the wife is a slave. Wives, you are not a slave. As a matter of fact, this elevates your authority. When this was written, women were expected to be slaves for their men. 
But this is giving the wives the power to teach, to love, and guide alongside the husband. This is the wife trusting their husband to care for them. And the husband, let me tell you this, the husbands, this is our job. Ephesians 5.25 says, husband loves your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and gave himself up for her. You ready to die for your wife? And a lot of you are probably like, yeah, I'd die for my wife. That's great. A lot of us would take a bullet for our wife or our children. A lot of us would run into a burning building for our wife or our children. But let me tell you, this is a much taller order than that. We're expected to do more in this position of authority. We are expected to have equal footing with our wives. But here's the thing. We have to care for our wives at the same time. When you read this scripture, this is all apparent because we're given a lot more when we read from Ephesians. The men have a much longer section. The majority of it is for us. So this isn't just us being a boss. We're expected to take care of somebody. And it's much more than just working a nine to five and coming home and putting your feet up on the, on the coffee table and waiting for your dinner and being king uh, sitting on the throne. Let me tell you, that is a lot more because you need to lay down your life just like Christ. While that can be taken literally, it references our selfish desires as well. In Luke 22, 42, Jesus was in the, uh, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before Jesus was about to be crucified, hung on the cross, and Jesus was going to submit and lay down his physical life for us, willingly choosing to do this for the forgiveness of our sins. But friends, he prayed this in Luke 22, 42, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He didn't just give up his physical body, but he gave up his selfish desires. And this is a hard thing because he, we, it's, this isn't just about work and going to work and giving up 40, 50 hours of our week to pay the bills or just mowing the lawn or washing the car and making sure that it has an oil change. We need to lay down the phone or the TV remote or the Xbox controller or the sinfully sexual thoughts. When we get home, the expectation shouldn't be to put up our feet and have our wife and kids serve us up. But the real job is supposed to begin then. That is when our job begins because let me tell you, as we continue to Ephesians 5.26, the Bible wants you to do this and wants you to make your wife holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word. So you need to get into your word. You need to be reading your Bible daily. Open this book every day yourself and read it. And you need to do that by yourself. You need to do it with your wife together. And she should be doing it by herself, by the way. And you need to be doing it with your children. Because how are we supposed to build this home if we're not looking at this blueprint? It's not going to happen. See, when life's situations come at you, if you don't know this word, if you don't know this word, you're not going to know what to do. There's so much wisdom in here. You guys, there's so much. I mean, this isn't just like how not to sin. 
because that's actually the majority of this is not about how not to sin, but this is a story of, of our redemption, of our salvation. This is a story of freedom, of life lived freely. And you know what? It doesn't just tell us how not to sin, to live life freely, but it gives us wisdom. It tells us how to handle our finances. It tells us how to handle conflict. It tells us how to raise our children. This teaches us everything we need to know to live a life of freedom, to live a life of prosperity. That's what this is. It's a guidebook for living real life. That's why we named the church that. Real life. This isn't how not to sin. This is how to live. That's what this is. Now, Pastor Tim has covered this next part wonderfully over the last several weeks, but we got to pray. You have to pray. You have to pray. If you're not talking to the designer of your home, if you're not talking to the architect and you don't understand a part of this blueprint, I, I, there was a, a Meyer built near our home uh, uh, years ago. And you walk into this Meyer, and usually when you walk into a Meyer or Walmart or any of these big box grocery stores, they're all laid out exactly the same. This Meyer is not. There's two different sections of refrigerated stuff. Uh, one that's over nearby like the pet food and another one way over on the other side by the groceries. The, it's weird because all the frozen stuff is nowhere near groceries. It's just, I mean, if you, if you, if you shop at this Meyer, you know what I'm talking about. It's strange. Well, I heard a story that the builders uh, built it and then when they came in to do all the inspection, they're like, why, this looks we why does this look weird? Well, the blueprint was on more than one page and one of the pages they had upside down. And so... Uh, the entire section of that store is upside down and backwards. And so now we have a Meyer that was built wrong. I mean, it still gets the job done. It's just confusing. Here's the thing. If they would have been talking to the architect, I don't think that would have happened. I think the architect would have been like, wait, 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 wait. You're doing this wrong. And it would have gotten resolved. You need to be praying every day, asking God for guidance. Now, here's the next part. Husbands, I know, I know, I know. You're like, man, he's got more for me. He only talked about the wives for a couple seconds. Well, here's the thing. You're the head. And without the head, the rest of the body is dead. You're the head of the house. So we've got a lot of responsibility. And I'm sorry if I seem like I'm ragging on you, but let's be real. Let's be honest for a minute. Oftentimes when I counsel families, when I talk to people struggling in my own family, in my own house, when we've struggled, the, the head wasn't doing the thing it was supposed to be. That's scripture for you right there, actually. But uh, let's continue. Ephesians 5.27 says, We need to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. we got to get to know our wives, my men. We've got to get to know our wives because if we're not paying attention, if we're not getting to know everything about her, you're not going to know where, what her stains are. You're not going to know where she's wrinkled or blemished. We got to do some work. We got to find out what her traumas are, what her triggers are, where her pain is. And you need to work them out with love. Your wife isn't just an emotional, hormonal, crazy person. She's a real person with real feelings and real trauma. We got to figure it out with love, counseling, patience. We got to help her heal. Because here's the thing, we want to be like Christ, and that's what Christ did. Jesus served by healing us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. We need to heal our wives too. They need this 
from us. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their bodies. This is Ephesians 5, 25-32. Who, who, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for his body just as Christ does with the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love your wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Another commandment for the wife there, respect your husband. It's very important. But here's the thing, I read this and I say, I'm realizing as I read this just now, that, that this tells us to love our wife, as we love ourselves, we've got some work to do, husbands, and ourselves. We've got to love and feed ourselves, reading the word and praying. We've got to take care of our flaws and our hurts and our traumas as well. Because, you know, the sick leading the sick isn't a great idea. So you got to take care of your stuff too. You need to get help for your problems. You got addiction in your life. Get help. And listen, men, let's be honest, a lot of us have uh, addiction that, that we don't like to speak about. And that's not drugs or alcohol, but it's addiction in our mind and with our eyes. We, we got to resolve that. And maybe it is drugs. Maybe it is alcohol. Got to quit that, man. I'm telling you, that addiction is not a good thing. That terrorizes people. And our hurt and our anger, a lot of times when we react out of anger, it's out of our triggers, out of our trauma. We got to fix that, man. Let me tell you, we got, we got to do it. And you say, well, hey, listen, man, I'm, I'm a man. I'm going to get mad. Well, um, I've, got, I've got something else for you because this relates to children, to how we treat our children, how our children treat us. We're going to get into that anger thing in a moment here. Children, kids, are you listening? I know this isn't, Pastor, or, uh, this isn't uh, Mr. Ryan's normal fun, goofy silliness that you hear, but grab your kids, gather them around real quick. I'll give you a couple seconds to do so. Got him here? Okay. Hi, kids. It's me, Mr. Ryan. Sorry, Shmoo's not here. But let me tell you this. This is what Ephesians says, and actually says this in the Old Testament too, kids. This is what it says for us to do in a Christian home. Ready? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Woohoo! Do what mom and dad say. Yay! Do you... That doesn't sound fun, huh? No. But remember how we talk about in kids' church. We talk about this, that we have rules for a reason. If we're playing a video game and somebody smacks the controller out of your hand and says, I win, they're breaking a rule and you're going to get mad. You're not having fun. Or if you're playing Monopoly and somebody takes a beach ball and kicks it on the board and knocks everything over and says, I win. Well, that's not in the rules, right? Rules help us have fun. Help us to do things the right way so everybody has a chance to play and to play fairly. So obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord, that's important. Mom and Dad, we're going to talk about in a minute, okay? For this is right. You guys, you want to live for a long time, kids? You do? Well, it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go out with you, and you may enjoy a long life on earth. You want to live for a long time? Well, we've got to obey our mom and dad. But, mom and dad, here's the thing. you got to be in the Lord. We'll talk about that in a minute, but parents, fathers, parents, though, but fathers, it says in Ephesians, do not, exasperate, do not exasperate your children. I like some other versions, mom and dad, that says this. Do not be harsh 
with your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You need to treat your children with love, not harshness. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get angry or be stern sometimes. That's fine. Really, it's fine. We all do. But it's how we do it, right? The Bible says, uh, do not sin in your anger. Don't sin in your anger. So you're going to get angry sometimes because let me tell you, let me tell you, I'm sorry I'm saying this, but sometimes our kids do stupid things, right? I mean, we were kids too. We, 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 well, actually, we still do stupid things. So sometimes you get mad. That's fine. Okay, but don't sin in it. Well, how do I do that? You're saying, right, how do, how do I do that? You're just rambling on about this. Well, let me tell you, okay? Here's what I believe. This is something I've learned. We need to start taking our thoughts and making our internal monologue into a conversation with the Savior, with Christ, with Jesus. When you're doing that, it changes. It'll be like, God, this kid's driving me nuts. That's your old thought. And the new thought is, Lord Jesus, my kid, I don't have a lot of patience. How, what do I do about this? How, how do I resolve this? So when you speak to your kid, it's not like, will you just knock it off? You're getting on my nerves to what's going on. Can I, what can I do for you? You need to stop that. You're going to, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody around you. You need to stop or you're going to get grounded. You're going to be in the corner here. You're going to have your Xbox away. Those things are fine. But when you, when it turns into like making your kid feel like an idiot for being a kid, that's what this is talking about. We need to get rid of those negative thoughts. And let me tell you, in your relationship, husbands and wives, instead of thinking, oh, it drives me crazy when she acts like this, it's going to be like, Lord, my wife right now, she's nagging at me. And God, give me patience. And God, what do I do about this? And, and the Lord's also going to speak back to you. And he's going to be saying, hey, go, go talk to her. Figure out what's going on. And you're, instead of going like, would you knock it off? You're getting on my nerves. It's going to be like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Like, how can I help you? What can I do? And the Lord, the Holy Spirit could reveal things to you. You could say, you know what? I realized what I said earlier probably triggered because I've been getting to know you lately. And I know about your trauma. And that probably, that probably set you back, didn't it? I'm really sorry. I need to fix that in myself and support you better. And yeah, while you didn't react the right way yourself, while you got triggered and angry, I'm, I love you and I understand and I'm going to help you through this. Let's, let's pray about this together. Let's help each other with this. What does the word say? Oh, this is what the word says about this trigger you have right here. Let's see. Oh, yep. This is what it says. This is what we're going to do to fix this. There's a difference there. When your internal monologue becomes a conversation with Christ. But Ephesians 6.4 also says this, my friends, and uh, well, it's uh, through chapter 6, one, verse 1 through 4, says twice this, instruct them in the Lord. So a parent, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Again, this, again, prayer, all of this. The Bible doesn't say just obey blindly to your children. It says do it in the Lord. Bring them up and the instruction of the Lord. That means you have to get your relationship right. And let me tell you this, my friend, this is why we're the head of the household. Okay, it is the expectation that us as men have to, have to serve as Christ did in teaching and healing and loving, not just by being some big bad boss, but by giving up our own lives 
by fixing things, by getting close to the Lord. We should be leading the charge. I know so many men who tell me, my wife's the one that makes sure that we read our Bible sometimes, but she does every day. I do it sometimes. My wife is the one that's praying all the time. My wife prays, my wife prays for his family. My wife holds his family together spiritually. Listen, that's, I'm so glad she is. But she's not really holding it together. And if you asked her, like, are you, are you really holding this together spiritually, this whole family? She's going to tell you, uh-uh, because that's our job. Our job as a husband is to do that. Your job as a husband is to lead, not by bossing around, because that's not how Christ led, by being an example and laying down your life, knowing your word, being in communication with the Father at all times, by healing, by being gentle and kind and loving, just like the Father is. And listen, I know there's probably a lot more, well, I do know, not probably, there are a lot more men that are being convicted right now than any other person listening to this message. But that's the thing, there is an attack on men. And yeah, we talk about these LGBTQ things, which I get, we need to talk about things like that. We talk about some of this other stuff that's saying is an attack on our household or an attack on masculinity, whatever. I get it, we say those things. And I get, we need to address those things. But the number one problem isn't that. The number one problem is the men aren't leading. We aren't leading our home. Because the majority of our, our homes in the church aren't experiencing some of these other problems. This is what we're experiencing here, is lack of leadership. That's what we're experiencing. And so take over, lead, not in harshness or anger or, or through blunt force, but through love and grace. And there's one more thing. I love, uh, I love this. See, John the Baptist was baptizing people in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. So what do we got to do after we've built this house? Is we got to set it on fire. Right? Yeah, we got to set it on fire. We got to set our house on fire with the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, Paul took the road interior. Uh, 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 he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit, when, uh, uh, the, that there is even a Holy Spirit. And so Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. Remember, John said he baptizes water. That's great. We need baptism. We're getting, I'm teaching a baptism class this Sunday, and then we're going to have baptism the following Sunday. If you haven't been baptized, let's go ahead and do it. Okay? It's great. Now, Paul said this, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. This is where it happens. They prophesied. That's when they got power. The Bible says you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. Power! You're going to get the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that gentleness, that kindness, that self-control, all those things you're going to get 
When you have the Holy Spirit, a lot of the things I've been saying, husbands, we need to start doing, we need to start handling uh, in love and patience and kindness. Well, right there, Holy Spirit is going to give it to you. I promise it will. I mean, life is still going to happen. Struggles are still going to beat at the walls of your home, but you're going to have a strong home on a strong foundation that's peaceful on the inside. But then I've been talking about this healing stuff, right? The Holy Spirit will give you that power, and then you're going to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yeah, speaking in tongues, healing, words of knowledge and wisdom. Need that a lot, don't we, husbands? Wives, everyone, we all need it. There's going to be healing happening. Healing, prophesying. You're going to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we got to start by building that foundation, putting up some rooms. And that means submitting to one another. That's, that's the word right there. Okay, that's, that's literally scripture. We need to submit. It doesn't just tell the wife to submit, but it says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, you got to submit to your husbands. doesn't mean that you're his slave, but it means you're his protector. You're the one that's, that's uh, um, uh, with him in all things. That means you've got responsibility because when it was written, wives didn't have that responsibility, but now it's putting you in a position of authority to fight alongside your husband. Husbands, you got to get to know your wife. You've got to be kind with your wife. You got to give up your life, give up your sinful desires and thoughts for your wife. You got to raise your children with love, not harshness. Well, you can still get angry. You do not sin in that anger. You got to get to know the word. You got to pray so that you can instruct your children and your wife in these things. And then you've got to set it on fire. You got to. With the Holy Spirit and the power and fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're watching this and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. I didn't know that this is what scripture was like. I didn't know that Jesus was like this. Well, I'm going to make a real, real quick uh, um, explanation as to why we do all this. Because here's the thing. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've done it. We know it. Let's admit it. We've all messed up. And the Bible says the consequences for those sin is death. And you're thinking, oh, here it goes. This pastor guy, he's going to tell me that I'm going to hell because I sinned. Actually, uh, let me tell you something. That, that sin's been paid for. Did you know that? Jesus paid for the sin, for our debt. He took the consequence when he hung on that cross because Jesus never sinned. He was born without sin. That, that He was born without that. And so he gave up his life willingly and rose again three days later so that you could live eternal life, not just an eternity in heaven, but here on earth, have the things I'm talking about, having a strong foundation on him and a home in him and having this life of freedom and love. And listen, storms still come, but now you got that protection of the, of the Holy One. This is about living a free life, living a life full of the promises of our Lord and Savior, which are many in this book. And he delights and giving us the desires of our hearts. Bills are still going to happen. People are going to still get you down. The enemy's still going to attack you. But you're in a home. You're warm. You're safe. And if you want that today in your own life and you've never accepted it, or you need to re-accept it because, hey, listen, some of us stray away and stray away for a long time. It's happened to me. He's calling you home. He's waiting 
at the end of the road watching for his lost son and daughter to come home to him. And he wants to welcome you back in open arms and have a feast. The angels rejoice in heaven when you accept him again. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes and say, Jesus, I accept your forgiveness and I give myself to you and I will live for you. And if you do that, my friends, you are his child. You have always been, but now you've returned to him. And the, the angels are celebrating. Come to church, read the Bible, pray, talk to us. We'll help you, we'll help you get there. We're on this journey with you. We're still learning ourselves and we want to learn with you. And friends, some of us need to repent, wives and husbands, and say, I haven't been doing my job. So right now I want you to close your eyes and just let the Lord know that you are committed to this, that you love your spouse, that you're in love with your spouse. Because if you're not, get it right. You're in love with your spouse. No matter what they've done, no matter what's been said, no matter what's happened in your home, you're in love and you want them and you want the best for them and you want to fulfill your role and want them to fulfill their role. Amen. Hey, some of you are going to have to have some conversations today, some hard conversations, but do it in patience. Don't just point fingers, but accept criticism and learn. Learn from each other. Let's get this Christian household going. I love you guys. I know this is a hard one, but it's one that we got to get right. I, I, I don't want to see as many families being attacked and torn apart because we aren't, we aren't getting this right. So let's do it. Let's go for it. I love you guys. Have a great week. I promise in two weeks I'm preaching again. That one's going to be fun. It's going to be about freedom. Finding freedom and redemption. You guys have a wonderful week.